Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Leah Walsh, and this is Rosette, the podcast. Hey folks, it's Leah again. Welcome to Rosette the Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. This is the fourth in a 10 episode series that I'm doing on the 10 principles of fair trade. If you're enjoying what I'm doing, if you think this podcast is great and you like the kind of work that I'm doing, I really, really appreciate those five star reviews and those subscriptions on Apple Podcasts. So please continue doing that. And thank you so much to everyone who's already done that. I really, really appreciate it. So today we're talking about the payment of a fair price, which is the fourth principle of fair trade. And by the way, I never really, I realized I never really said where these principles come from, um, (laughs) which is just kind of silly. I'm like, not totally sure why I never said that, but um, they're from the World Fair Trade Organization. And the World Fair Trade Organization or WFTO, which is probably how I'm going to call it at some point in the podcast, just so you know, because I forget to say the whole thing out. Um, They put forth these fair trade principles some years ago now to basically try to encompass the whole fair trade movement so that it, it like sort of has some kind of backbone that holds it all together. Because basically they were looking at all of these different like independent trade justice movements that had been popping up and that were sort of like very similar, but like obviously like didn't have like verbatim the exact same standards as each other. Um, So they were like, well, obviously there's a lot of common ground here. So we're going to like put together these principles of fair trade. (laughs) Yeah. So the principles of fair trade are really something that um, is used as like a, I guess like as a guiding document within the whole movement and that is sort of, yeah, a really important part of defining like how is fair trade different from, let's say like unions or different from uh, a consumer movement that is like uh, pushing like uh, veganism or pushing like environmentalism or pushing like any kind of like other project, like how is fair trade different like what makes fair trade fair trade and so that's sort of what these principles are so today we're talking about the fourth principle it's payment of a fair price and it is a huge one this is probably the most important principle of them all and the reason is because without it you really can't do most of the other principles payment of a fair price comes about because a lot of the troubles that we end up with, and I talked about this a little bit, in, well, quite a bit, actually, in Fair Trade 101, a lot of the troubles we end up with, sort of the ethical problems that we end up with in making or growing products is that you end up not having enough money to cover your bases. And so that's where those problems come from. Basically, you're like, I'm going to grow it as cheaply as possible. Well, that means I can't pay labor. Okay, that means I can't properly dispose of my waste. This means I, you know, I can't do this and that and the other because basically there's no way to cover the cost of doing it. 
there's no way to to cover the cost of producing it if the customer is only give you like say the customer is going to give you ten dollars for the product and it costs you fifteen to make it. What is the producer supposed to do? And so that's when you end up with these really bad like human rights violations and like really bad like environmental destruction and stuff like this, where like you're just trying to cut corners in any possible way that you can and that's really dangerous. That's really dangerous for ethical products. It's really dangerous for producers themselves. And it's really dangerous for, you know, the collateral damage in communities. If we're talking about something like uh, polluting the, the water because you're not responsibly disposing of your waste, then that entire community is affected. If you're talking about unsafe working conditions in, let's say you have a plantation or what have you, then all of your workers, that is to say the broader community, is affected. So this is stuff that really has sometimes really far-reaching consequences and it comes from a lack of resources and so it's important it's so important if you're going to march onto a farm with a clipboard and say you can't have this and this and this and this because it's unethical to be like oh by the way here's the money to do it ethically that piece is so so important so what does payment of a fair price actually mean there is always within a fair trade system, there's always some kind of gauge of what a fair price looks like. If you're dealing with, for example, Fair Trade International is a very robust system. They're they're an international organization. They actually have um, research available on like how much does it cost to produce this commodity in this location of this country or whatever. And they can sort of have these like baseline prices that account for like the kind of conditions you would have in that area of the world for that kind of commodity. Now, commodity to commodity is very, very different because some things just are like more difficult to grow. Some things are difficult to grow in one place, but not another. And so it's really important to consider both specifically what is the thing that is being discussed. So is it cocoa beans or is it tea leaves or is it rice or is it honey, whatever it might be, how much does it cost to produce it? And so those prices are available through Fairtrade International for any of the products that they will certify. And when that's also combined with an organic certification, so if say you go through an organic certifier, then you actually get more, you get an organic bonus as well for your product. And so you will see a lot of products that are both organic and Fairtrade certified. There is a minimum price for products that Fairtrade International will say you have to pay at least this. That's what it looks like for them. For another organization, it might be a little bit more subjective, but it still gives guidelines. So you might have something like the producer gets to decide what is the cost of production and the buyer has to agree to a reasonable price above that to account for a living wage for the producer or something like that. It's, you have to interpret it a little bit more. It's not like you have to pay $26. It's it's a little bit more interpretable, but it's because some of these things are incredibly unique. So I'm thinking of Fairtrade Federation, for example, a lot of the members of the Fairtrade Federation are making truly one of a kind things. So it's not like a commodity that you grow. You know, there's only so many 
commodities. There are a lot of them, but like there's only so many commodities that Fairtrade International covers and you can decide how much does it cost to grow coffee in this region? Well, how much does it cost to make a craft in India? Like there are so many follow-up questions to that, right? They're all they're all handmade things that we're talking about for the most part. And so it's really tough to give a minimum price for those things. And so they'll approach it with something a little bit more like you have to make sure that the person gets a living wage on top of what they say it costs to produce the item. And so that sort of accounts for the same need for a fair price without them having to try to figure out every unique, like there are artisans that make every single piece is unique. So there's just literally an infinite number of things that they would have to account for. So that's sort of how you get around issues like that in the fair trade system. If you're not obeying that, then the Federation could be like, no, I'm sorry, you don't get to be a member of us anymore. And they could boot you out. So when we're talking about fair trade minimum prices, I think it's important to note that minimum is included in that phrase. So it's not like, you know, the minimum is $10, but you better not pay 12. It's it's that the minimum is $10, so you better not pay nine. And so what you will find is that fairly often companies will sort of pay above and beyond the minimum price because they will find that yeah actually like this is a premium product like this this i i actually think this uh say coffee tastes better than the one i tasted from this other producer so uh, yeah i think it is worthwhile to uh pay a little bit extra for it so they may they may actually just pay extra because it is a premium product and i think it's really great we'll talk a lot about this in the capacity building episode (laughs) which is coming up um but I think it's really great that producers now are starting to understand like what grade their product is in ways that perhaps when they were just like small holders in the hills alone, maybe had no idea. And so when they know how much their product is worth, they can ask for how much their product is worth, which is really crucial. Now, I get questions all the time, all the time about people suggesting that um, because fair trade minimum prices are observed, that it basically doesn't encourage any kind of like quality control on the producer's part. So let's say like 10 is the minimum. I'm just I'm making up numbers because like I'm not even using units, but none of these numbers are real. It's just for illustrative purposes. Let's say that 10 is the price for a pound of coffee. God, I'm just making stuff up. Okay. 10 is the price for uh, a pound of coffee. If the pound of coffee sucks and the buyer knows that they can get a pound of coffee over here for 10 that doesn't suck, then they're going to go there. They're not going to buy the crappy coffee. They're going to buy the good coffee for the same price down the road. So if people are charging too little for their coffee, that premium coffee down the road that tastes way better, they could be charging more for it. And so that's the thing is that like, it is a minimum. It's not what it has to be. It is a minimum. So if coffee is kind of bare bones and, you know, the type you'd get ground up in a can stuck in like a, you know, a Folgers uh, instant coffee or whatever, right? It's not a very great grade of coffee necessarily. And it should probably be sold at the minimum because it's not a great grade of coffee. But that doesn't mean that that farmer who grew that coffee that can be stuck in a low grade brand of coffee's canister and sold on the shelf for, you know, $4.99 a pound or whatever. 
It doesn't mean that that farmer doesn't deserve to get paid for their beans. It doesn't mean that that farmer just doesn't get paid at all because their beans aren't premium beans. The minimum is a minimum and farmers can choose to charge above that if their beans are premium. The the argument kind of fails to recognize, one, that the price can fluctuate, and two, that people who have a thing of value, of any kind of value, should still be paid for their work for producing that thing. So if it's not a great quality, that's fine. You can always, as a farmer, you can always work with other farmers to try to figure out how to improve your quality or what have you, but it should still be paid for (laughs) if you're going to be you know, taking that coffee and selling it to your customers, it's still worth something. And you should still be paying a a living wage to that person because their labor is worth something. That's what I would say to someone who says that, you know, it doesn't improve the quality. Well, I mean, it doesn't improve the quality for a low grade of coffee if you need a low grade of coffee. But if you're looking for a good quality coffee, then you come over here to the person who has a good quality coffee. And if they're charging the same as the low grade coffee, then they're actually underselling themselves. It's worth more if it's a good grade of coffee. So I've, I've just spent a lot of time talking about coffee. And <laughs> I think I think coffee is actually one of the worst examples I could have used because coffee actually has a history of just a massive market price. Over the past like couple of decades, it's really enjoyed like a like a really high market price. And so with the fair trade minimum, and this is I'm talking mostly about the fair trade international system, because that is actually who certifies the most coffee in the world. And they do have the specific numbers of like how much you pay per ton of coffee. If your market price goes above the fair trade minimum, fair trade requires that the market price be paid. So that means that like whichever is greater is what the producer needs to get. And now the the prices are, you know, obviously like the world is in a bit of chaos. So like the prices, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. But there was a period where the market prices were quite a bit higher than the minimum fair trade price because of the cyclical nature of coffee bushes or coffee trees. And the fact that you take like a certain number of years for them to produce. And then once they start producing, they produce the coffee cherries for only a certain number of years. And then you have to cut them down and put new ones up or whatever. And because of this sort of cycle of coffee, every so often you end up with a little bit less coffee in the world. And so what that does is it really spikes the the market price of coffee. And that is what actually happened for a lot of the 2010s or the 20 teens. I'm not sure how you say that word. <laughs> um, is that is that there was a really high market price for coffee. And so it was quite a bit higher than the fair trade minimum for some years. And you were able to get the market price as a fair trade producer. And then, you know, the minimum fair trade price didn't really matter. All all that mattered was that it was below market price. So they were more keeping track of like, what is the market price doing right now? That's so that in the event that, you know, let's say they luck out and their commodity is like worth a ton that fair trade isn't limiting their potential as a seller of the produce. You don't want to come in and be like, no, 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 no. But the minimum is only 10. So you can't sell it for 30, even though the market price is 30. Like 
it's about really supporting that farmer or that maker or whatever's ability to make money from their business to, you know, monetize their labor and the investments that they've made into their business, whether that's a farm or like a a handmade kind of business. That's a little bit about the pricing. Um, I think really the most important thing to keep in mind is that the payment of a fair price is perhaps the most important standard or the most important principle of fair trade, I should say, because it makes the others possible. It's not possible to have safe working conditions and pay a living wage to all your workers and all that stuff if you don't get a fair price for your produce or for your craft or whatever it is that you're that you're selling. And so this makes fair trade possible. So at the heart of all of it is this fair price. So if you remember like one or two fair trade principles, please let that be one of them because it is so important and is so crucial to making sure that all of these ethical requirements that we have are actually able to be met. So I think that's about all I have for today, but thank you so much for joining me and please don't forget to go into Apple, Apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave me a five-star review so that I can compete with the big podcasts as a little fish. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much for all the awesome support. And so yeah, that's, uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining and we'll see you next time for the fifth principle of fair trade. Bye-bye for now.